The new series we're beginning today, I actually love the title, didn't come up with it, but I love it. The series is called Radical. Will you say that with me, Radical? The, the, the thought came from Charlie Sweet. He sent me a word from me and the church, and it was just absolutely point after point of where God was calling Heart of the City Church to be radical. And so, my son came up with the idea, this sounds like a series. We thought about it, and we pulled the trigger on it. And today, I want to talk to you about radical courage. If you were at VC Wednesday night, you're going to hear an echo of some of the things that I preached at Varsity Wednesday night. I, was, I had the opportunity to preach, Radian and I came, and we had a wonderful time with the young people. I tell you what, if you ever come to VC, you'll see real quick that we're not in here babysitting teenagers or just giving them play things to do. Man, it's on like Donkey Kong on Wednesday nights, and kids are getting touched. I think there was probably four or five young people that raised their hand to receive Christ on Wednesday night. So I just want to let you know uh, that they're being raised up armed and dangerous uh, in Varsity. So you, if you're at Varsity, you're going to hear a little echo of some of the things that I preached on the other night. Radical, if someone or something is considered uh, extremist or very different from anything that has ever come before, you can call that radical. Uh, the noun, listen to this, the root, the, the Latin root for radical, it's kind of funny, is root. Did you get that? The root is root. The root for radical is root. Say that with me, root. Uh, in more everyday language, uh, a radical is someone who has very uh, extreme views, you could say. So you could say that their views are different or radical or root from the root up. Uh, a radical design, a radical idea, uh, a new idea. I was talking to uh, a J.D., He's the owner of X-Craft. J.D., would you just raise your hand at me so people just, good to see you, J.D. I asked him so that uh, he wouldn't, like, throw a rock at me or something. I asked him if I could share the story. Uh, we were at Citigroup Wednesday morning, and I says, hey, man, how's business going? It's X-Craft. The, the business is a drone business. And I said, what's new? And, and, and he began to tell me something, uh, and it was very, very cool. Uh, he's working with uh, first responders, firemen, and there's going to be a drone sitting at the firehouse, charged, just cocked, locked, ready to rock, sitting in a cradle or a dock, and all of a sudden uh, there's an emergency, and that drone, it can be uh, dialed in to that address, and then shoot, 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 woo! And all of a sudden, the firemen or first responders, police, ambulance, they would be able to see what's going on. It could save many lives. They could see maybe what direction to go, or what the fire's doing, or what the wreck's doing. Did I do okay with that, J.D.? Perfect. Amen. And so I thought, wow, radical, man, radical to save lives. I mean, it could possibly, it gets a lot more hand clap if it's your house burning down. <laughs> You're like, yeah, now I feel it, now, now I feel it. 
So I just thought, what a great thing. Don't be fearful of this beautiful word because uh, enemy has perverted it or extremists have abused it. Radical is a wonderful, wonderful word. Jesus had radical teachings. I'm going to read just a little bit of one right now. But let's pray even as we dive into the word this morning. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing. Young people got saved Wednesday night. Last night, five people came to know you, Lord. You're touching people and healing people and filling them with your Holy Spirit and encouraging people. And we just thank you, Lord. You're, you're doing what you do, God. We say, let your kingdom come. Your will be done today in this place on earth, in heart of the city, church, as it is in heaven. That's what we pray. We say heaven in and hell out. Heaven in and hell out in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Jesus is just this one little touch of a Jesus radical teaching. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you. And say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Be happy about it. Let me, well, be happy about what? Let me back up. It's radical. Those who persecute you, be, be happy about it. Those who lie about you, say evil things about you, be happy about it. Well, I don't know about you, but I find that, that to be very radical. But I'm going to be happy about it that you're mocking me or persecuting me or lying about me. And gee, that's the radical scripture. That's the radical teachings of Jesus. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Jesus was radical. His disciples, he raised 12, were radical. 70 more later, he lived a radical life. He was born in a radical way. I don't know anybody else who was born of a virgin and a virgin who gave birth to God. Does anyone view that as radical other than me? That's more radical than a drone. He died a radical death. He was raised to life, resurrected in a radical way three days Later, Jesus is radical. He defeated death radically for you and I. He took on sin radically for you and I. He ascended into heaven radically on behalf of us. He wait, uh, folks waited on this radical promise, 120, and they waited, and they didn't even really know what they were waiting for, and they waited, and all of a sudden, wind blows in and tongues of fire, as it were, on their shoulders, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, radical things was happening. Peter who had been as stable as water before, now filled with the Holy Spirit, he gets up and is preaching, and 3,000 people receive the Peter package. They get saved, they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they're water baptized. Just bam, radical. Birth a radical church, the New Testament church. That's what we are today. God loves us with a radical and reckless love. The Bible's full of radical people. Think about it. 
Abraham was radical. I don't know anybody else that was going to take their only one and only son up on a mountain to sacrifice to be obedient to God. Radical. Moses was radical, leading people around a desert for 40 years, eating manna. Esther was radical. Don't even eat. Don't even let your animals eat or drink for three days. We're going to pull on heaven. We're going to believe for a miracle and the Jews will be saved. Noah was radical. Think about building an ark and you haven't even seen rain before. Radical man. The woman with the alabaster, I think she was radical. John the Baptist, radical. Let me, you got a toothpick. Let me just get this locust leg out between my teeth. <laughs> Eating locusts and wild honey and preaching repentance and everyone coming out to get water baptized. The, 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 the Bible is full of radical people. God, I think himself is absolutely radical. You may go, well, I just thought he was just a calm, calm little granddaddy. I got news for you. The one who we think now there's trillions of galaxies. We serve a radical God, a radical God. Listen to what it says, Deuteronomy 4, 24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. That's pretty radical. And jealous God. Uh, I got radically saved December the 7th, 1986. In 88, I got radically baptized in the Holy Spirit. About that time, right after that time, I met a radical woman named Radical Radine. <laughs> I got a rad wife. We have rad, two rad children, and now they're married, so we have four rad children. Radical, there is no, there's no kids like our kids. They're radical. That's, that's radical in their own ways. Uh, we pastor a radical church called Heart of the City Church, and we're real excited about that. God wants to blow the apathy, the dust of apathy off the church that we would be, Daniel, a radical church. Amen? I love radical people. I like radical people. Think about the radical folks that just sat at Heart of the City Church. Think about Eric and Spirit Larson. Eric, he is absolutely being used to impact a nation, the nation of Ethiopia. Church, they saw 7,000 people come to know Jesus last year. I think, I, I want to say, somebody can help me out, I think over 300 church plants last year in Ethiopia. Come on. Come on, we're talking radical. Uh, if, you don't know the, if you don't know the Stark family, the Stark family just all of a sudden, they just disappear for months, and there they are, the whole family, Jason and Jane, all their children serving in South Sudan, radical. Alexandra and Marsha are first missionaries from, uh, that we started uh, pro, uh, pro helping you know, for, their, for their provision from the church. Uh, they used to be in Afghanistan. Now they're in the nation next to it. I can't even say the nation, but they're just living in a very, very radical Muslim nation trying to love people. They have a pizza business and they try to reach people uh, through, you know, as maybe probably through pizza. I'm not sure. I'm sure that they probably use it to, for provision for the ministry, and yet they can stay in the nation because they're business owners. Radical. And then we have the, 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 the Lins, Debbie and Don Lynn, Honduras, radical, and the Carmody's in Germany, taking on Syria refugees and Iranian refugees. And if you've never met Greg McCallaghan, 
you would want to strap in as tight as possible before you met Greg. Greg is one of the most radical people I absolutely know who lives in Chiapas, San Cristobal, Mexico. I mean, absolutely radical. And then we have people like, I like William Wallace. Anybody else like William Wallace? I like the gladiator. Mother Teresa. If you've never... She's probably about 4'11", 90 pounds, and they wrote a song about her, bad to the bone. <laughs> now, I know I'm, I'm picking a little bit, but you are, to, you are to watch the biography on Mother Teresa. You just be, I, I just convicted, just like, oh, my God. Goodness, the way that she recklessly loved people and served people. I mean, oh, wow, just radical. I love radical worship. I think that David did. I think God loves radical worship. How many of you went Thursday night to the all-city uh, worship night? It was just absolutely wonderful to see churches come together, unified, six different worship leaders from different churches. Uh, I believe that God is re resurrecting a radical body of Christ. God uses radically courageous people. I think he wants to break fear off of lives in here this morning. Just break it off. That you would be wet water, instead of a wet instead of being in that boat just dry and talking, you'd be a wet water walker just out of the boat. God wants to break off fear off of our lives in here today. And I'm going to tell you right now, fear just layers, cloaks itself. Just cloak. Just you're like, wow, I didn't even know I was layered with so much fear because the enemy is so good at what he does. I want to tell you a story about a guy named Farid Assad and a pastor, Joseph. They were, they, they, they live, or at least at this point, they were in Syria. They're from a town called Homs, H-O-M-S. If you've been watching the news, you'll hear about Homs in Syria. It's the third I think, largest city in that country. And there they are, uh, Farid Assad and Pastor Joseph. They plan to do a three-week circle, circle of a, a cycle of, of going to house churches to encourage them. And while they're driving in, I think it's Pastor Joseph's uh, Mercedes, and it sounds like a, just like a rickety tank of a Mercedes. Like, I think it sounded like every piece of the, I, I read the chapters in this book, uh, Standing in the Fire, amazing book. And it sounds like every piece of the, the, the piece on the Mercedes is a different color. It's been so shot up and beat up, and, but it's still going like a little tank. And, and they're, they're driving, and all of a sudden, uh, Farid's uh, phone begins to blow up, and Pastor Joseph looks at him and goes, man, you get more death threats than most people get emails. He gets text and calls, constant death threats on his life. And he begins to talk about this one guy, Rashid Abbas, how he threatens his life pretty constant. 
And now I'm going to kind of fast forward. It's a long story. It's a beautiful, if you want to read a great book, Standing in the Fire, I tell you what, it is a courageous book. And they're, they're, they're driving around. Now they're in the city of homes and his phone blows up again. This guy is calling, calling Farid Assad and he goes, uh, and, and Pastor Joseph's with him. And he goes, uh, Pastor Joseph's like, you, you, you going to answer? He goes, nope, I'm not going to answer it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to answer it. I'm going to go visit him in person. I can't even imagine what Joseph, Pastor Joseph is like thinking like, this dude wants to kill you. This dude texts you. He calls you. And, oh, you, let me tell you what's beautiful. Every time he would call or text, I, I think either call or text or both, it was a reminder for Farid Assad to pray for this gentleman. So he used it every time to pray for this gentleman. So now they're in homes. The place is a, a, a wreck. Just It sounds so blowed up. They, they kind of connected it with Dresden, Germany, right after World War II. The place is just blown. It's nothing like how they were raised. They both were raised there, and it's just blown to smithereens. And he's like, man, we're going, we're just going to go to his house. And they begin walking down to his house, and they knock on the door. I think the mother, the wife opens the door, and, and uh, finally this dude comes in, and, and he's like, hey, man. Uh, you, you just always want to kill me and give me death threats all the time. And, and, and I think the guy was probably extremely convicted of all the prayer. And so the, the gentleman decided, you know what? We're going to be friends. I'm not going to threaten you anymore. And Fared, uh, Fared it's the, believe me, some of the names are very hard to pronounce, gives him a New Testament, right? And then they leave. He promises that he's not going to text anymore or threaten him with calls or anything like that. But after uh, that day, later on that day, probably after the, the Islamic Muslim prayer time, he gets stirred up and excited again, and he starts threatening his life again, and the story goes on. Fast forward. They're doing all kinds of different things. Now, he's with his wife, they're together, Farid Assad and his wife is in the town of Holmes. And he tells his wife, hey, we're going to go over here and visit this guy. Knocks on the door. The wife receives him, super excited to see them. He walks in the house. The New Testament's not where he left it. He was wondering about that. And he goes in. They fellowship for a little while. And then a sheed comes in. Farid drops to his knees in a persecuted or a, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but he just drops to his knees. He says, get your knife and go ahead and kill me now. Just, I'm here. And I can only imagine what Farid's wife is probably thinking. She might have been thinking they're going to eat some biscuits and drink some tea. And all of a sudden he's like, get your knife I'm tired of you threatening me. If you're going to kill me, kill me now. And he was on his hands and knees. Barrett goes, have you not got my text? I've been texting you. The guy had been reading the Bible and got radically born again. 
I want to read a letter to you that the gentleman hands him to him at that point about the conversion, the impact of a radical, courageous Christian and the difference one person can make. Here's the, the letter the guy hands him. He says this. The hand of Rashid Abbas writes this letter. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who I now live for, I cancel every threat I have made on Farid Assad. I take them back and lay them at the cross. My hatred for Farid knew no bounds because I thought he was a direct threat to the Alawite religion and to my family. As a result, it was my full intention to end his life. But something held me back even when I had the chance to carry out my evil deed. I knew now, I know now that it was Holy Spirit who constrained me. To Farid and all uh, many of the Alarites who now follow Jesus, I ask that you forgive me. I pray that after some time you will receive me as a brother in the faith. Jesus has set me free, and I am free indeed. I apologize to all of you for the fear that I promises that my promises to kill you have uh, instilled in your hearts. Yet you didn't leave the area, and you prayed for me. I'm eternally grateful. Jesus overcame your fear. He overcame mine too. One night, I could feel no peace in my heart. The battle for homes was at a boiling point. I was reading the Koran and so unsettled, I finally put it aside and said to it, I am sorry you let me down. Your words are empty. After I put down the Koran, I picked up the Bible that dear Farad gave me. It was 7 p.m., the next time I looked at the clock, the sun was coming up over homes, and it was 6 a.m. I was falling in love with Jesus. Over the next few days, I soaked myself in the Word of God. I hardly went anywhere. Jesus came to me every night in a dream as well as during the holy time. I follow Jesus now. I ask him to forgive me. I declare my love for Jesus, and I commit to follow my Savior the rest of my life. I also will die for him if he calls me to do that. That's what his faithful do. I knew all about that before I read the Bible. I learned that from Farid. Please forgive me, Rashid Abbas. And the same guy. If I remember the story correctly, the same guy was then discipled by Fared, and I think he is, you know, just an amazing Christian leader, and he's still alive when this book was uh, written, and God's using him in a powerful way. How did that happen? Courage. David shows up on the battlefield. His three older brothers is there warring. Jesse, his daddy, says, I want you to go to the battlefield, and I want you to take some cheese and some grains and bread. I want you to take them to your brothers there, and I think some of the military forces, some of, some of the generals and so forth and so on. Young people, this is a good word for you. You should do what your dad and mom says because you might become a hero just by obeying your mom and dad. He shows up there. And while he's there, he begins a conversation with those in the military. 
Remember, his three brothers are there. David is the most unlikely gentleman to be there. He's about 15 years old. He's about 150 pounds, just guessing, soaking wet, and he's about five foot nothing. He's probably the most unlikely young man to be there, but he's there. He's serving his, his brothers and those, and, and he hears a voice, and it's jungle breath Goliath, the giant. Every morning, the Israelites would come up. I'm going to read the scripture. I want you to see the, the impact that fear has and what this army did every morning. It is absolutely ridiculous. Look what takes place. Goliath cries out. 1 Samuel 17, 8, very first part of the scripture. He said, then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why do you come out to line up for battle? The Israelites, they come out, it sounds like every morning they, they line up for battle. They got all their military garb on. They got their helmets and their, their, their coat and, and sword and all their military, you know, so forth. And they stand out there and they line up. And guess what they do? Nothing. One dude, giant, he's big, he's huge. His eyes was probably about the, the height of a basketball goal. And he challenges them. He taunts them. He, he defies the army of Israel. And not one guy will do jack. They come out, they're all stirred up. They may even do a little warrior whatever and they stand he's like what are you doing you come over you come out and line up and you don't do anything jungle breath says this he says and the philistine said i defy the armies of israel this day give me a man just just give me a man one man that will fight together that we may fight together he said hey if you beat me we'll be your slaves and then Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, and they, look, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. That word dismayed means to be shattered, to be dismayed, to be broken, to abolished, to be afraid. Think about it. The whole stinking army. It's like a valley. You got the Philistines on one side, the Israelites on the other. This guy comes out in the middle of the valley. He's huge. He's so big. He's got an armor bearer, man. It's like, tote my armor. He challenges, taunts them. And there's a dude out there that should have been the most likely giant slayer. His name's Saul. He's a king. He's a leader. He's head and shoulders above everyone else. He should be a giant slayer, but he's shaking in his boots, and he's absolutely constipated with fear, and they won't move. All they do is come out and put up a, a good, good show, and then they do nothing. I want to tell you right now, fear will freeze you. Courage will absolutely move you. Listen to me. Listen to me. Courage will move you. Fear will freeze you. Goliath does this 40 days, mornings, and 40 evenings. I mean, the guy's getting bored. In a 40, can you imagine? 40 mornings. Hey, give me a man. 
bunch of wimps. Give me a man. 40 mornings and 40 evenings, jungle breath Goliath comes out there, challenges the entire army, including Saul. And they're absolutely handicapped. David comes out, battleground, like I was saying, to bring this, you know, food and what have you. And he hears jungle breath talking and he obviously got his attention. And the dude is really, really nasty, huge. I mean, his bronze helmet, just huge. And, and his coat of mail uh, weighed 125 pounds. The end of his spear... Just the end of his spear was 15 pounds. His sword, I mean, his, uh, the spear itself would have been more like a two-by-four, kind of the size of a two-by-four. Can you imagine throwing a spear like a two-by-four with a 15-pound end on it? I believe that David begins to hear this guy and he, honestly, I would have to say this. It doesn't say this, but I'm just, I'm just feeling David. He's starting to get mad. He's 15 years old. This is my three big brothers. This is my king. This is the army of God. And there begins a righteous indignation that begins to rise up inside of David like, what is going on here? What is wrong with you guys? I mean, I serve the, the God, the living God, the God who hung the stars and the moon, the creator, the maker of all things. I mean, he's a great God. And, and, and you guys are just shaking in your boots. What's wrong with you? David... After he hears this, Goliath calls out. I think this is a very unique verse, what, what happens. It, I mean, it just builds on the fearfulness of the army. 1 Samuel 17, 24. Listen to this one. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, look, fled from him and was dreadfully afraid. They fled from, that's the worst thing that you can do with fear is flee from fear. No, 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 no. You need to listen to me this morning. The worst thing that you can ever do from, for fear is flee from it. If you continue to run from your fear, that fear will absolutely grow inside of you. How many phobias are there? Probably hundreds or who knows, thousands of phobias. What, what is it all based in? It's based in fear. And if you continue, you got to draw near to fear. I'm going to show that to you in a minute. you got to draw near to fear. Don't, don't, don't run from fear. You go after fear. Not even a little bit. Don't even, don't even allow a little bit of fear. Fear absolutely breeds off of fear. So it smells you out. Smell fear on you. What's fear going to do? Because it's a spirit. It's going to come. It's going to be attracted to you. And you're going to be consumed with fear. Sometimes no matter how short you are or what your background is or what your occupation is or your education or your name or what you do for a living or what you don't do for a living, sometimes you just got to take courage. Look at your neighbor real good. I'm going to ask you to say something to them, and I want you to say it from your heart right into their eyes. Look at them and say, take courage. I want everyone to do that. If they're a little bit sleeping, say it more like this. Take courage. If you didn't do that right then, you know what I need to tell you? Take courage. 
not talking about taking courage when everything's peachy. You can take courage right now because you're in the presence of Almighty God, two or three or more gathered here in Jesus' name. We've been worshiping God. He's here, and, and you're in a safe place. You don't really need to take courage here. You need to take courage when you're going through the storm. You need to take courage when you're in crisis in your life. You need to take courage when all hell has broken loose in your life. You don't know what's going on and all of a sudden you have a, a bad diagnosis or your wife lost her mind or her, your husband has lost his mind or uh, your kid is like, who are you? I thought you were my child. Whatever it is, that's when you got to take courage. Take courage. See, taking courage is way more for others than it is for you. When you take courage, you're going to impact your wife and your family. You're going to impact your friends. You're going to impact possibly like David, your entire nation. Take courage. David is in this story for one reason, courage. He would not be here. Snotty nose, 15-year-old shepherd. He would not be here if he did not take courage. David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For he is this, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. And those standing beside him said, this is, going to be, this is what's going to happen. And it shall be uh, that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give him his father's house exemption for taxes in Israel. I'm thinking, and ain't no, there, there is not a man out there that's going to do that. You're going to get rich. You're going to get the, the king's daughter. And, and, and the, like the most amazing thing, your daddy's house is going to be exempt from taxes. I mean, to be exempt from taxes. I'm like, where is Goliath? Please show him to me. <laughs> Eliab gets all up in David's face, begins to like antagonize him. Eliab is his older brother, the oldest brother. If you look one chapter before 1 Samuel 17, you'll see 1 Samuel 16. What's in 1 Samuel 16? A young man getting anointed as king. Who's getting anointed? David. Instead of who? Eliab. Eliab's got a bad stinking attitude. What are you doing out here, you little shepherd boy? You should be taking care of your daddy's sheep. And he's just all up in his grill. And David looks at him, says, hey, is there not a cause? See, see, Eliab's is one of those who have been frozen in fear and not moved, just like the king and like the other, probably thousands of people. David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward the other and said the same thing. The people answered him as the first ones. Is there not a cause? I'm going to tell you right now, is there not a cause for you not to tell someone about Jesus? And, and is there not a cause to go on the mission field and maybe church plan or be salt and light and where you live and where you 
you work? Come on, there is a cause in our day and time. But that cause is created by this thing called radical courage. Or you can just be like Eliab and all the rest of the army. Radical courage. Can I tell you a BBD story? Before my brain was developed. <laughs> can I tell you a story? Is that okay? Yes. I'm going to tell it to you. It's kind of secular and it's kind of worldly, but please get over it. I'm warning you. I'd been bouncing in a bar, babe's place, and the, my friends and the, the DJ said, hey, you know, in Kentucky, the bar closes at 12 o'clock. And when you're, you know, when you're young, you're like 12 o'clock. It's just everything's beginning. You know what I'm saying? It's just you're stupid and dumb and just stupid and dumb. I'll speak for myself, just me, stupid and dumb. We go to the next state, uh, West Virginia, and go into this place, Huntington, West Virginia. There's a big old bar there. stays open till 2 or 3. Some of you looking at me like hoot owls because you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> we get there and do what you do in a bar, and we're leaving, and we're parked right out. It's, it's a main, main, major area. There's like four roads all one way. And we're parked there right in front of the bar, and the DJ's driving, and uh, I got four of the friends. There's one, two, there's about six of us all together, so five, five or six, yeah, five or six. And now we're getting ready to leave, and someone throws a drink on our car. And because I'm BBD and dumb, you throw a drink on someone's car, it's like, it's on like Donkey Kong. Girls are like, what are you talking about? That, that's like fighting stuff right there. And you're in another state and you're, you're weird and, you know, you're just. I climb out of the car along with my buddy Dwayne, a good friend of mine, and another dude. And it's on. We're in the, in the road, all up in the cars, and we're fighting, and, and uh, uh, we're fighting, and that's just the way it is. We're fighting, and, and it's crazy, and people are everywhere, and we're fighting a multitude of quite a few people, and, and all of a sudden, I'm fighting, and I glance at my car that I drove in, and there's a guy right in the back window just like, like this. <laughs> And the drivers in the driver's seat, I can't see the driver in the driver's seat, but all I see is my really good friend. His face is right there. I'm like, I'm fighting, dude. And he's like. For those that don't have those experiences, you're not supposed to do that with your friends when they're getting their, their, their rears beat in another state by a bunch of dudes. You should get out of the car. Now, I know it's dumb. I know it's ungodly, and I know it's worldly. And I know you may be thinking, well, he's smart. We don't think that way. <laughs> it's also get out and help your friend. <laughs> then it gets worse. The car begins. To, I'm laying underneath the car. Don't ask me in a fight how you get underneath the car. I don't really know. I'm looking up. I'm under a car. The, my car is leaving. <laughs> so I run from my car praise God the stoplight's right there I dive in the car and it's really funny when you're beat up and you see your friend beat up too and we started laughing <laughs> but what's crazy about it is that I've never forgot my, my friend in the back window 
And he says something like this, literally. He says, J.R., you were doing pretty good until it was two or three on you. I'm like, something like that. And then I hear that they locked themselves in the car. Locked themselves in the car. Rob, that ain't how you're supposed to roll when you're running with the, just being stupid and in your BBD days. And, and you, you, are you feeling me? See, when you're at war, you have to take courage. I'm not saying anything that I did was right. Matter of fact, if you're young in here, everything I did was wrong. But I didn't agree with my buddy sitting in the car with his head in the back of the windshield like this. The king comes to Samuel, to David and says, David's like, hey, it's on, man. It's on like Donkey Kong. And the king says, don't worry. This is what David said. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. The king says, don't be ridiculous. Sometimes you need to be courageous even for your king, for a leader. Don't be ridiculous. There's no way. Say that with me, no way. No way. I'm thinking, Saul, do you have any faith? You are telling a guy who's willing to risk his life for you and the nation, and you're telling, what a great encouraging word. Hey, David, there is no way. But I'm going to tell you right now, there is a way. Because God is my way maker. There's a way for everybody in this room. If you put your trust and you lean into him, he'll make a way for you where there is no way. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since youth. Saul tries to help him and put his coat, you know, all of his stuff on him and David's like, I can't even move, man. Get this stuff off of me. One thing you have to be is always, you got to be you. And now David, he probably got his little short, shorts on, little sandals, maybe a little slash, uh, you know, whatever what was this called? The sash. <laughs> got his little slingshot. Someone told me last night, mathematically, a dude, a mathematician did the research on that that rock coming out of his sling, and he said it would have been like a 45 hitting him right there. He goes out there. He got his little, he got his little rock. He got five little rocks because Goliath's got some brothers. He gets those rocks. Now, Goliath gets all up in his face and said, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the David's like, bring it on. Hits the dude, knocks him out. I don't know if he's dead or just knocked out, but David's going to make sure. David takes Goliath's sword, cuts his head off. What did that create? A movement. Fear constipates. Courageous, courageous people bring a movement. You know what all of a sudden happened? All the little Israel army was like, yeah! And they start chasing the Philistines. David, one young man, created a movement. Let me close with this. Joshua 
has some big feet to fill. Moses. Now Joshua has a huge calling on his life. And if you read Joshua chapter 1, you'll hear over and over, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why, why was that over and over and over? Well, first of all, you are filling a big shoes named Moses. Second of all, Joshua, you're going to be the leader. And I want to tell every person in this room right now, if you're going to be a leader, you need to lead. And if you're going to lead, I'm going to tell you right now what it takes. Be courageous and be strong. You can be shaking in your boots and still be strong and courageous. Moses was probably shaking his boots. You're going to send me? Yeah? Go tell him, let my people go. Do you, do you know why I know Moses was courageous? Because those Moses was scared spitless. He just went, he still went and, and faced Pharaoh. See, 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 just because you're fearful doesn't mean that you're not courageous. If, if there is no fear involved, then you're not courageous. Courageous is doing it in the face of fear. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Why did he have to be strong and courageous? Because he was going to lead. Lead where? Look, into the promised land. If you've got every person in this room today, you have a promised land. But you'll never get there unless you're strong and courageous. Because I'm going to tell you, in the promised land, you will be faced with Jericho's. And you will be faced with the enemy. Even in the promised land, you have to be strong and courageous. And listen to this last one. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Look at this. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, you can believe that or you don't have to believe it. I believe that. And if you believe that, guess what you can be? You can be strong and courageous. When you walk into the school, you know that he's with you wherever you go. Whatever you're faced with at work, whoever you're fa whatever giant's in your face, whatever brother or family member or whatever you're faced with that, wherever you are, if you know that God is with you, wherever you are, you can be strong and courageous. Wherever, whoever, you can be strong and courageous.